This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. I'm joined by Naomi Ross from Sydney Design Social. Welcome back to the PR Pod. Hi, Brooke. I think of all the social media episodes we have created so far, this is probably one that a lot of people will be eager to listen to. So many PRs are now managing social media responsibilities for their company or their clients, and undoubtedly a goal is to grow the number of followers a social media account has. Before we get into this episode, though, I just want to clarify, we're talking about legitimately growing your audience. I'm sure there's plenty of ways out there that you can buy followers, but if you're, don't working, do it. Don't you? <laughs> but if you're working with a brand, all that does is give you numbers, doesn't it? There's no kind yeah. of genuine engagement. Yeah. So I can't imagine that. I mean, certainly you wouldn't be recommending it anyway. I don't recommend it. No. Is there any circumstance that that would be appropriate? Oh, um, look, there might be. Um but for, for our purposes today, I'm going to say no. The reality is the size of your social media community isn't necessarily the only way you should be judging the success of an account, is it? No, definitely not. Uh, likes, um, likes on a post, likes on a page, uh, they're generally what we would call um, in the industry vanity metrics. So, yes, it's fantastic to have mm. um, thousands of people liking your page. It looks really, really good when you first appear on the page. But if you scroll down and you notice that there's been zero engagement yeah. on them, it's like. Pfft. But at the same time, if you can build up a community of people who are actively engaged and interested in your brand or business, it's a real asset, isn't it? Definitely an asset. Um, definitely. So I'd like to give listeners an overview of the different ways you can grow your followers and discuss each of them in some detail to give you some guidance of considerations if you do decide to go with one or a number of these methods. So. The, probably the obvious place to start is likes campaign. Yep, is that right? Number one, um, it's really easy to set up a likes campaign uh, for your for your brand or for your business page, and for a few dollars a day, um, you can you can begin to grow that page from almost uh, day one. And a likes campaign generally is focused on just promoting that brand. So let's say it's a uh, a cocktail bar. It's just about promoting that as one of the best cocktail bars in Sydney, blah, 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 yes. versus anything, uh, a particular campaign within that yes. bar, correct? Yes, it's, it's, it's pushing or promoting um, the page itself and mm-hmm. the action which is which it is encouraging because all, all uh, Facebook ads um, are linked back to, to a goal or an action. The action that it's encouraging is for somebody to click on like. Right. So it's optimizing, um, the ads are optimized to encourage people to click like. And the more people you have liking your page, then the more people you have to speak to when you do have a particular campaign. That's right. That you need in, to in addition, in addition to having more people on your, on your page, um, it's also cheaper to advertise to them. So something which uh, a lot of people, a lot of brands um, or clients will ask me is, well, why, why would I pay to have people like my page when I'm paying for advertising and I'm going to reach them anyway. And the really simple answer is it's going to cost us less money to advertise to somebody who already likes your page. So just say, Brooke, um, you like my page, Sydney Design Social. I'm then running, I'm, I'm boosting a post. Um, and the person sitting next to you, uh, Sam, doesn't like Sydney Design Social, boo Sam. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and, and it's going to cost me just say uh, $1 to, to send this ad to for Sam to see, but it might only cost me 10 cents 
right. for you to see it. Right. Um, I made those figures up, but mm-hmm. that's generally the way that it works. Gotcha. That does make sense. And look, we have a, another whole podcast that you have very generously given your time on about managing an ad spend. So we're not going to go into too much detail here because you can hop onto that episode and, and check it out. Um, okay, so moving through some of the different other ways you can grow followers, what's another recommendation? Um, following on on from um, the likes campaign, I would definitely recommend um, advertising to lookalike audiences. So this is the only other the part in this in this series which I'm going to speak about um, advertising. But the reason why I mention it is because a lookalike audience um, is is an audience category which is similar to other people that you've already targeted, and the reason why. I liked. I wanted to mention this one is because if somebody likes your page, um, chances are somebody who looks like them in terms of not necessarily physically looks, but in terms of their interests, potentially their location, um, maybe their age, the demographic, all of those things. Um, it's more likely that that person is also going to like your page than say somebody who has complete opposite interests, um, lives somebody completely in a different demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so using or investigating lookalike audiences, um, I would definitely put up there as a recommendation as well. Okay. Take note people. <laughs> um, I think one thing that generally gets, um, forgotten when it comes to growing your followers is the need to have really good quality content. Uh, it's all good and well that, you know, you may post regularly, but if that content is not inspiring or educating or entertaining people, and there's no kind of utility to the purpose of each of those posts and the, and the imagery is not brilliant and the, the copy or the words that you're putting into that post are not articulate and achieve and, and focused on achieving your goals then you're losing that ability to really connect with people, aren't you? Uh, absolutely. Um, you can do all the advertising in the world, sending them to, sending people to, to a page, and if they arrive there and the content is boring and uninteresting, um, I mean they're not going to want to engage, like the page, and continue to follow mm. um, what that brand or, or um, page has to say. Yeah, absolutely, and. Does video tend to drive higher engagement? It can, yes. Facebook at the moment is rewarding uh, rewarding video over photography. Um, with that being said, a great piece of photography will generally work better than a boring piece of video. So once again, it comes down to your, to your um, statement that good content in the end wins. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. What's next on your list? Um, something which is a really, really, really easy win um, is inviting people to like your page. I mean, it sounds so, so simple. Um, if somebody's engaged with a piece of content, so maybe it's appeared in my newsfeed, maybe you've advertised um, to them and it's a sponsored post, but I've then gone on and maybe liked the post or commented on it, I don't necessarily have to have liked your page to have done that. Mm. As, as a brand, um, I can see that, Brooke, you've, you've uh, liked a post that I that I wrote about this podcast, for example, um, I can then uh, click on your name and click invite, and I invite Brooke to like my page. Got you. That makes total sense. It's 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 similar to a lookalike audience. It's almost like the lowest hanging fruit. Um, you're <laughs> you're already you're already yeah. engaging with my brand. It um, seems silly not to take um, advantage of that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to tagging people in, so I, I've seen many times. Um, uh, tag a friend who you think may love this new dress or whatever it may be. Is there much value in that? Competitions is always part of um, 
generally, I would say 90% of the time, we use competitions um, as part of our strategy to grow, right. to grow our following. Uh, the reason why we do this is because um, it generally generates organic engagement. Organic engagement is good for the brand. It's good good for the page. Um, it costs less. So, yes, we might be spending, I don't know, $200 on giving away a dinner or giving away um, some, some T-shirts or some mm-hmm. merchandise. Um but I might have then saved that amount on uh, on actually having to put advertising spend behind it mm. because people are coming on. Maybe the mechanic of the competition is to tag tag three friends that you want to bring them for dinner. I come on, I tag three friends. Those three friends see their names tagged or something. They come on, they like it as well. Um, all of a sudden, your the amount of eyeballs on this post is increasing exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to tag a friend competitions, you've also got share competitions as well. So it might be share this post to win. What is important to note is there are different privacy rules around um, your profiles. So myself personally, I've got my profile set to to very private. So if I'm running a competition where I'm encouraging people to uh, to share a post, um, if if the person entering has their profile on private, you might not be able to see their entry. So you kind of have to think about those when you're running a competition, which is probably why the tag a friend thing is so popular. And I think one thing to probably consider is what you're giving away. If you're giving away something that is from your brand, that makes total sense. If you are a fashion brand and you're giving away three bottles of wine, for example, and you're trying to get you need, and it's a tag campaign then you're getting people that just want to win wine that have got zero interest in your fashion brand. So just giving away stuff for the sake of it is probably not worthwhile, is it? No, it should definitely be, I would say it should definitely be relevant to your brand and like any any of your posts and your content um, that you're putting out there, be aligned with your values and your positioning and your story. Mm. Another way of increasing your followers is utilizing hashtags. And look, we've talked about this on the podcast before and you have very kindly um, given me some background on it. But for those who maybe have not listened to any of those other episodes, hashtags, what are they and how can they possibly grow your followers? Hashtags are amazing little amazing little creatures, especially on Instagram. Facebook has kind of dabbled with trying to introduce them and um, make it a thing, but it's it's kind of falling flat most of the time. So I'm going to talk about hashtags on Instagram because that's where I think it really, really works. So a hashtag is essentially um, a hashtags, funnily enough, mm-hmm. and then a word. Uh, you can then use these words to search. Instagram being a discovery tool, generally what people do or what they use Instagram for is to discover things that they like. For example, if I'm um, if I'm posting around if I'm posting a piece of content around a cocktail, a couple of my hashtags might be things like hashtag cocktail might be the name of the cocktail. Maybe it's a Negroni, um, maybe it's a, a particular brand like Campari. Um, things which are relevant to that actual piece of content, somebody could then go in and, and search for hashtag Negroni and see all of the pictures from from people all around the world um, that have that have tagged things hashtag Negroni. In a similar way to to brands, locations, um, products, um, you've also got things like hashtag Insta Daily, um, things which are more around um, like generic trends, trends, or? Mm-hmm. which are more trends as well, got trending. You. Okay, um, and when you're using hashtags to grow your followers, I imagine you should be using a spectrum of them. So let's say um, you know using the you have a bar. Um, like you're talking about in terms of drinks. Um, If you want to 
grow followers and hopefully then patrons that come into your bar, I imagine there is, um, you don't want to go too broad because just doing hashtag cocktail, you need people all over the world perhaps liking it and not necessarily engaging with that bar. That's right. So for all of our clients, we have a hashtag strategy. Uh, when they first come on board, um, we write down. Uh, we, we look at we look at our uh, the product, um, and then we and we look at any hashtags which might be relevant for that brand. Now, I'm not saying for every single post you write all of those hashtags, but you kind of pick and choose a selection of them. Um, they will generally fall into categories. So you mentioned trending, so it might be things like um, cocktail, cocktail daily, cocktail of the day. Um, then we've got things like location, so it might be hashtag Sydney, hashtag Melbourne, um, even further down might be hashtag Surrey Hills, hashtag Bondi. You've got things like brand. So it might be the name of your venue, um, hashtag the Carrington, hashtag Campari. Campari. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, and then so on. So there's different categories within those. You kind of then have different hashtags, which are relevant. When I then go in and post, uh, put a post out, I'm going to choose the ones which are relevant for that particular post. I'm not just going to kind of throw them all in there. Mm. Um, I'll choose the ones which are relevant and it kind of filters down from the really broad. So like things like cocktail all the way down to my branded ones, which are going to be just relevant for my venue itself. Mm. It's kind of a mixture of them. Um, And generally I would choose between five, five and eight per post. Um, But if there aren't that many that are relevant for that post, then I'll err on the five side so quality quality over quantity yes Mm. i suppose the other thing people should think about is utilizing your own assets so if you've already got a a big newsletter database you can convert those people to following your social media channels in terms of including it into your newsletter is i imagine that's a logical way of of engaging those people absolutely that email list is is a, is a wee little pocket of gold. Um, so you can not only speak to those people directly and direct them to the, to the Facebook pages. Um, something which I kind of also wanted to mention here is, and it kind of links back to advertising, but I I still think it's relevant is you can actually import that email database into your Facebook, uh, Facebook advertising back into Facebook advertising. And you can, you can, uh, market to those people. And you can legally do that because they have signed up to, Follow your brand, yes. I imagine. So therefore, that brand then owns that asset yes, of correct. their email address. Correct. So not only can you email them and encourage them to like the page, you can also import that database into the back end of Facebook ads and market to them directly that way. Right. Okay. Um, and I suppose you should also be using your other assets. So if you've got a website, making sure your social media channels are on there. Um, and I think some people forget about that don't they they do Uh, making sure that there's a link on your on your facebook pages um if if you're handing out brochures if you're handing out physical collateral like business cards just having your um your handle which is the at the at Mm -hmm. um, at the pr pod yep (laughs) so it would be at the pr pod for example yeah um including those so people can easily find uh your brand online Mm, okay one thing I wanted to ask you was in regards to uh, engaging in order to grow your followers. So obviously you should be engaged with people that comment on your posts of your business and say thank you or absolutely or asking questions. Should you be going um, a step further and then also commenting on their posts? So there seems to be an authenticity between that that brand engaging with that follower. Yeah. Look, it, it really does come down to your overall strategy 
how much time you have allocated um, and whether you think it is in line with your brand personality. You don't want it to appear fake. You want it to feel really authentic. So in some instances, it might be feel really natural for a brand to be talking to you, um, to be commenting, uh, to be engaging with you. In some other instances, it might just feel a little bit creepy. Yes. Um, so you kind of, there is that fine line. Um, some brands do it really, really well. Um, others not so well. Um, and I would just encourage you to think of it as an option and then work out whether it's relevant for your brand and whether you would be, whether you would feel comfortable mm. if you were the patron or you were the guest or, or you were the customer mm. to hear personally or, or to be spoken to personally from that brand. Mm. Are there any other ways you can use that engagement to help grow your audience? Because I suppose commenting on somebody else's post that already follows you isn't necessarily growing your audience. You're just um, developing a relationship with That's them. That's right. So in terms of growing your audience through engagement, are there any ways um, to do that? So it can be done through your local community, for example. Um, if you then searched for a hashtag a local hashtag, maybe it's a community hashtag, location hashtag, and you saw that people were walking, you know, walking nearby your venue um, and you kind of were like wanted to comment or like their post, um, that person then has a look and sees, oh, this, this brand's liked my post and then they go on and click on the brand and then if it's relevant to them, they will then follow that brand. Right. Mm. Okay. So it kind of links back to, to hashtags as well. Okay, that makes sense. Should you be looking at your competitors and who they follow and who follow them? Yes, absolutely. You definitely should. Yeah. Um, something which uh, we do for most of our clients is is we have a competitor list. Um, from that competitor list, we then have their Facebook and Instagram accounts. Um, not only do we like to familiarize ourselves with what they're posting so that we're not posting the same thing, um, but we also have a look at who their followers are um, and uh, – Within Instagram and Facebook, you can then you can see that list and you can actually go and invite those people to follow your account. What else is on your list that you think will help people grow or should, that they should consider when they're thinking about growing their audience? Um, partnerships and tagging are kind of um, two separate categories, but also kind of one and the same. Um, I guess in this instance, it might be good to use an example. So, for example, if, if we're talking about the bar that we've got in Surrey Hills, we possibly have a partnership with an alcohol brand like Campari. Um, it's good for us to uh, to, to utilise Campari's um, both their brand equity but also their large list of followers. So by tagging um, Campari in a relevant post, maybe we've got an event coming up with them, um, and encouraging um, using their hashtags, encouraging people that are going to be searching both for that brand or that might already follow that brand, encouraging them to come over and follow or like us, um, and I guess almost riding on the back of their brand equity mm. is something which um, – is one way of looking at it. And if you do, sorry to interrupt you there, and if you do tag someone in there at Campari to your post, that will show up on Campari's feed in their, not in, obviously in their normal feed because they haven't posted it, but in their tagged section. Yes, unless they've got it to hidden. Got you, right. Or to approve. So so some one of the privacy settings that you can have as a brand is that any um, tagged content you have to approve. Mm -hmm. um, some some brands kind of just have it that... that um, you can tag anyone. Got you. Okay. One other thing which we kind of haven't touched on is paid influencers within partnerships. Mm. It's not something which um, I personally have a lot of experience in, but I know that uh, in some industries, especially the fashion industry, the health industry, um, you know, your fitness bloggers, yummy Beauty. mummies, all of that kind mm -hmm. of those kind of categories, it's something which is definitely um, definitely worth 
looking into. What I would be wary of, though, is your return on investment. So if you're spending um, $200, $300, $400, $500 on a, on a um, paid post, on a sponsored post through an influencer, is that going to be the best use of that money? Or alternatively, is it better to spend that money on, say, an amazing kick-ass uh, photography session um, mm-hmm. of your new product or is it better to do a big giveaway campaign on your on your page it mm-hmm. really depends on your strategy um, and maybe maybe the answer is a bit of both yeah again like you said it's it's the goals and what you want to achieve from that because sure if you do engage with four or five different influencers and you're let's say you're paying five hundred dollars to each of them uh, or perhaps they are a micro or nano influencer and you can just provide them with $500 worth of products, which obviously cost you far less as a, as a business. Um, you then have to think about how you're going to track that return on investment from them. You know, are they, um, do they need to have a product code that when you go through to their website and buy those candles that you get a discount so you can track, right? Well, influencer A has resulted in five purchases of candles. Influencer B has got 45, C has got zero. So you need to be able to work out what your metrics are to um, to track how successful each of those um, partnerships have been. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so I think, look, there's definitely a number of ways you can grow your followers for free. And there are some that are obviously a bit easier when you put some money behind posts. But a lot of it comes back to, again, that strategy. And it takes time, doesn't it? And assessing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and treat it treat it like a business plan. And it's an investment. It will take time, um, but it will be worth it in the end to, to grow it organically as opposed to purchasing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and this is why there are experts out there that you can pay to do this for you. It might cost you a little bit more money, but if it's going to take you 40 hours of your time a month to try and analyse this and work out what you should be doing and putting together posts and doing all this and you could, um, that you know, if you work out what that value of your 40 hours of time is versus spending some money on an expert who can do that same thing in two hours it might be better just to work with a social media agency or manager or um, freelancer that can help do this for you Mm. okay thank you so much for your time today Naomi thanks Brooke if there's any other topics you'd like to see discussed on the podcast feel free to drop me an email by the website thanks for listening to the PR pod for more expert tips on working in PR head to www.theprpod.com.